Welcome back into the Real Kipper and Born Show. This is our national edition. Wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening, Sportsnet, Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver, Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. We're glad you're aboard. Got Ian McIntyre. Does a terrific job covering the Vancouver Canucks. Sportsnet.ca to join us in a few minutes. This hour of Real Kipper and Born brought to you by Bet365. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. And Disco Dan Franceschi in for the Sammy McKee. And he is knocking it out of the park right now. Just to give you some ideas how Disco has taken <laughs> Sammy's job basically away from him. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know any other way to 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 describe it, JB. Yeah. So like to, just to give you an idea of how much uh, Disco's stepped up the game, this is his lineup right here, okay? <laughs> and it is like six pages deep, and it's on both sides, and it basically could be the whole show in itself. I could leave the, the, the next hour, and you'd be fine just reading this. Just read this, and it yeah. would be a thorough yeah. show. <laughs> so this is like uh, a lineup from like, like – Harvard. Dude, this is a university report right yes. here on last yeah. night. And in let the me NHL. just, uh, I got, I got uh, a Sammy lineup uh, to compare yeah, it to. Yeah, you brought that one. That was yeah. one of his better ones, actually. Yeah, this, this one, let me just unfold this Tim Hortons napkin. <laughs> and there's Sammy's. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that uh, can't see the, uh, the monitor right now, it just basically says, say hello at 4 p.m. We have two guests and say Goodbye at 5.57 Eastern. Did he spell by correctly? No, no. <laughs> it was the U. He's got, he's got one spelling mistake uh, guaranteed every night. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a tough day for Sam because it's not like he lost his job, but his job description has changed now because he can't go back. <laughs> oh, I feel bad We will Sammy. never go back. That, guys. that was not my intention for Sammy. We had 10 questions for Ian McIntyre. We expect a lineup like this. <laughs> Every day now. You know some stuff with the Canucks? Yeah. I'll tell you all There's kinds of things. Yeah. You know? Did you did you go did you go home last night or did you just work on this no, all did. night? I did. I did. I have been known to do those things though, Kipper. I really? could tell really? Yeah, I could tell Another you. uh when I was in the morning, Kipper, it was a different yeah. story. That's a different world out there. <laughs> well, Sammy's gonna have to get in here just a little earlier now. <laughs> yeah. It's all good though. It's all good. We're glad you're aboard. We're forever grateful for our Sammy. The right? uh, the Canucks are the NHL's first team to reach 30 wins this season. Mm-hmm. They're 7-1-1 one, and one to kick off 2024. 20, uh, That's Which, not the big story today. No? No. Jimmy yeah. Rutherford, contract extension, agreed to terms on a three-year deal. But I got a page on that, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, it is remarkable, the turnaround from... Last season where, like, Rome was burning. It was chaos. It was chaos. You know, like, Bruce Boudreaux's situation was interesting right in the news. And Rutherford spoke quite a bit last year in the media, often being critical of his head coach. They had let Rachel Dorigo at the start of the season. They had hired new uh, assistant general managers. They had, you know talked about the the Miller contract was going to be a should we trade this guy are we rebuilding it was mayhem and here we are and they might they're in the president's trophy hunt I do have a point on this actually something I thought about you know we watched the Calgary Flames yesterday 
Yeah. If you're a Flames fan, you'd probably point at Vancouver and say, see, see, it's doable. A hundred percent. But the problem is, I think it's, they're vastly different scenarios. Like, I think Vancouver was in a position where they felt like they had the horses to do it. Yeah. And it just wasn't happening for whatever reason. Insert new coach, changes, boom, it happens, team's playing well. Even on balance, like since Jim Rutherford came into, into power there, they had the bad year last year. But prior to that, he comes in at the, in midway through 2021 that season, going into 2022, and they were a 30-15 team. Like, they were right. not that bad. So you could see it. My thing would be, if you're a Calgary fan, just be – you got to probably try and be as logical and as rational as you could be right now. Yeah. Okay, let's welcome in Ian McIntyre, Canucks columnist, sportsnet.ca, does a terrific job on the broadcast. Uh, Ian, thanks for joining us, and I don't know if you caught – all of us uh, just describing, at least trying to describe the turnaround in such a short period of time. Like, outside of your daily activities following this team, like, for the people out west in Vancouver, has it totally sunk in, like, this remarkable turnaround? I... Actually, don't think it has. Yeah. Uh, listening uh, to Rutherford's press conference this morning, of course, Francesco Aquilini, the managing owner, uh, was there as well. And we don't often hear from uh, Aquilini. But when Aquilini talked about the team being first overall, uh, five players and the coach going to the All-Star game in Toronto, and he said, uh, as far as he knows, the uh, 1989 Oilers were the last team that, that had that. And whether that's true or not, it's exciting and it's fun uh, to be a Canucks fan. Again, he, he's, he was marveling as he said it. This is the owner of the team who still sounded in semi-disbelief. Everybody is enjoying this uh, an awful lot. I can tell you that because there has been uh, enormous frustration and dejection about the state of this franchise until recently. It, it's amazing. I went back and looked because uh, this is what, January 19th. Mm. It was January 16th of last year, only 368 days ago, that Rutherford had a press conference where it looked like the team was in utter ruin. The brand was at its nadir, certainly this century. And it just seemed like there... It, the work ahead was impossible. And 12 months later, uh, here we are, the team's in first place uh, in the league. And Jim Rutherford's got a three-year extension to continue running this team till he's 77. It's, it's amazing what's happened here the last 12 months. So what are the pivotal markers, the pivotal moments to take us from 368 days ago to going, I don't know, they might be in the President's Trophy. We talked yesterday about uh, Canucks or Oilers, who you got in a series. It's like, I don't know, how do you pick against Demko versus Skinner? So how did we get here? Well, 362 days ago, <laughs> uh, right after that press conference, uh, or soon after, uh, Jim Rutherford fired Bruce Boudreaux and he brought in Rick Tockett. And it's the first time in a long time where there had been complete alignment from top to bottom in the organization. And Talkit has just done uh, an amazing job. I mean, there's, you know, at that press conference that I referenced uh, by, by Rutherford last January, he talked about major surgery 
And, and people wonder, well, where was the major surgery? There were some major decisions. Uh, obviously, the coach was, was a big decision. They traded uh, Bo Horvat, their captain, which led them to do other things. They brought on uh, Philip Roenick on defense. And then they bought out Oliver Ekman-Larsen, for which Aquilini ag agreed to pay $19 million for him not to play for the Vancouver Canucks. But that buyout allowed them to bring in other players in the summer. Uh, Carson Soucy and Ian Cole, who have been terrific on defense, uh, Teddy Bluger, Pew Suter, uh, to give them strength down the middle. And of course, they made the Zadorov trade uh, at the end of November. So there has been a lot that has happened. But I think at its core, at the epicenter of all this, is Rick Tockett and bringing in a system of, of accountability that had not existed previously. And it's worked because the core players that he inherited have all embraced these new standards and embraced the idea that nothing that they do as an individual is, is, is as important as the team winning. And you're seeing, you know, uh, another incredible year from Elias Pettersson. You're seeing an unprecedented year, at least for this franchise, in a defenseman in, in Quinn Hughes, Thatcher Demko's having uh, a, a year that has him in the Vesna Trophy uh, conversation halfway through Rick Tockett. It's either Rick Tockett or John Tortorella's coach of the year at this point. And, you know, Brock Besser's had a tremendous bounce back here. And JT Miller, JT Miller, who maybe symbolized, uh, at least on the ice, a lot of the dysfunction that the team was going through. JT Miller, having uh, an incredible year as a two-way matchup center. It's, it's getting all these core players to buy in, and they've set a new standard here. And it's a standard, I can tell you, because I've covered the team a long time, it's a standard that hasn't existed, certainly since the Sedins retired, but possibly even slightly before then, because the team was on, was on decline uh, the last couple of years that the Sedins played. But there is a standard that's very reminiscent of the great teams that the Sedins led to a couple of President's Trophies, went to the 2011 Stanley Cup Final. I'm not making those kind of bold predictions for this team, but there's a lot of similarity in the feeling of what's going on now with these Canucks and what happened then more than a decade ago with those Canucks. We're talking to Ian McIntyre, Canucks broadcaster, columnist uh, for Sportsnet.ca. Uh, Ian, nobody has followed this team closer on a day-to-day -day basis. And we do hear from coaches the term accountability, and everybody wants it, but not everybody can get it like Rick Talkett mm -hmm. or uh, as, as fast as Rick Talkett here. What have you seen that makes him successful while other coaches continue to struggle a little bit? Well, I, I think he has proven through action that he's consistent in what he's preaching. And it, it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, Nils Hoaglander, who's near the bottom of the lineup or, or was at that time and got sat out, or Andre Kuzmenko, uh, last year's 39 goal scorer, who's, who's you know, if there's a crisis... <laughs> Because there always seems to need to be one. If there's a crisis for the Canucks, it's what's going on with Andre Kuzmenko, who's been a healthy scratch five times. Or even if you go back to a spell in uh, late November, when the team 
The only time they've scuffled it, and by scuffling, I mean they were winning one, losing one, which was a lot better than they did when they were scuffling the previous three seasons. But there was uh, a period of time where uh, Rick Tockett was telling us in the media, you know, PD's got to be better and uh, PD knows he's got to be better. So he handled it in a different way. But every player, top to bottom of the lineup, is being held accountable. And because, again, the leadership group and, and Quinn Hughes, as a young captain who's still kind of learning on the job, he's he's been tremendous in this as well, that they, that leadership group is taking that culture, taking that responsibility onto themselves. Uh, Talkett has said a couple of times recently, he doesn't even need to tell the team this because they already know this. And that's another thing that's very reminiscent of when uh, the Sedins were at their peak and this franchise was one of the best in the NHL over a period of about six years, is that it, it's the players setting the standard in the room. And, and you know, Kipper, uh, all, the, all the great teams, pretty, I would even say uh, every team that wins the Stanley Cup, you have to have the players who are setting the standard. It can't be, it can't always be external. So where talk it has succeeded and others have, have failed is that he's been consistent with this standard and he has somehow in a very short period of time, going back to when he came in last January, established this trust with the top players where they're taking it on themselves. I also think those top players had all been here for a few years, they'd seen the tire fire. I think they were all uh, embarrassed about how poorly the team had did because had done because obviously they're good players and there were there were other good players around them. I think they were ready for Rick Tockett. I think this is a, a perfect example of the right coach at the right time for this group. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> you mentioned how there always has to be some sort of fire to put out. You know, we after the Nylander contract got signed, you know, we started being like, ooh, Pedersen, you know, let's talk about him every single day. Um, th- why does it feel weird? It feels weird that this guy is someone who's been great. He's someone they want. He's someone they're willing to pay. He's an RFA, and it's not happening. What, yeah. what, what am I missing about what's going on there? Well, you're not missing anything. It's a perfect summary okay. <laughs> of, the situ- of the situation, and it does feel weird. I mean, even Patrick Alvine, who I had a, a sit-down interview with on the Canucks' last road trip, admitted this is this is an unusual situation uh, where you have an RFA, not a UFA, an RFA, who the team is still has some control over and is eager to to start negotiations and make him by far the highest paid player in franchise history. But Elias Patterson has wanted to wait. And he made it very clear, you know, it was an interview with our Elliot Friedman back in August where he, he made it clear that he wanted to wait so that he could focus entirely on having a successful season. And and obviously, had there been any traction in negotiations last summer, maybe he wouldn't have waited, but things weren't going anywhere. So it's Elias Patterson, the player, who has has shut this this down. I know his... his his agents would love to get a deal done, you know, but right now it's uh, Elias calling the shots. It is an unusual situation. Uh, Rutherford said again today, you know, pledged his devotion and love for, for Pedersen and, and how much he wants Pedersen to remain with, with this franchise. Uh, but for now, 
because he's an RFA and not a UFA, it's a profound difference. And, and one of the big differences, say, with Nylander and others, there's not that dire urgency yet with Pedersen to get a deal done. It's different than even, you know, last year with Bo Horvat uh, as a Canucks captain who was going to be a UFA and it became this constant kind of drag, among other things, uh, on the team that they hadn't got a deal done, of course, eventually uh, Horvat was traded. It's different than that. But uh, I'll say this. You can only wait as an organization to a point. And although it's it's accurate that the Canucks do have control, they can make a qualifying offer. Uh, I don't think anybody's signing an offer sheet uh, for Pedersen. And if they do, the Canucks are going to match. But they want to know what's happening going forward. Alvin told me, you know, there's a pecking order of of how they tackle contracts. And and Pedersen, he didn't say this, but it's obvious. Pedersen's at the top of the pecking order. And they need to know, you know, what he's going to cost and for how much longer in order for them to to continue to build the team around him. They've got they've got another really big RFA in Philip Ronick. They've got a pile of UFAs who have played really well in supporting roles for this for this team that they would like to keep some of those as well. But it all gets back to how much is it going to cost uh, for Pedersen. And if they get past this season, and Jim Rutherford alluded to this today as well, once it gets past the regular season, then things get a lot more serious. So between if nothing happens this season, certainly between the end of the season and before qualifying offers go out ahead of free agency this summer, they need to know one way or another on Elias Pettersson. It's an interesting uh, thought uh, in in terms of, you know, the more we know on what the number is going to be, the more we can start planning now. So I ask you this, that he's, he's loved out there, but is there a chance if he drags this thing out a lot longer that, you know, there could be a shift of uh, the way the fan base think of him? I, I think there's already uh, some discontentment in the fan base, but you know, Canuck Nation, you guys are really familiar with Leafs Nation. Discontentment is never far away. It doesn't take much <laughs> to provoke it, but certainly, certainly, there are some people already who I think are frustrated that you know, because you know, as fans, you're not investing only your money, which is important to the team. It's it's that emotion that you invest and you invest it in players more than individual players as much as anything. And so there's a lot of people who, who love Pedersen and, and obviously want him to stay who are, I think, concerned, maybe more concerned than Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin are to this point about him not coming back. But again, one way or another, the Canucks are going to need to know before free agency. Uh, I, I don't think it, I, I wouldn't say it's impossible that, say they end up offering a QO and that Pedersen plays next year on a one-year contract. I, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but I'd say it's extremely unlikely because once you get to that point, uh, you know, the balance of power is all with the player. Uh, I think the Canucks will want to want to look at their options before then. If they actually feel like there's a realistic chance that Pedersen isn't going to be back, they don't want to leave that decision until next year's trade deadline. Mm-hmm. They want to look at that before free agency, before this summer, so that they're still operating at least from a little bit of strength. Uh, last one for me, and uh, are you done on Pedersen? Yeah. Yeah, I just um, 
what the Canucks would do at deadline this year. What do you think they'll be looking at? Will they be aggressive? Or I mean, this is, they haven't been buyers in a while here. This is exciting to go to the store now. Uh, what are they going to be shopping for? Well, they've been they've been quietly. I would say they've been quietly aggressive all along. If yeah. you look at some of the things that Alvin has done from last season, there's been so few trades this year. But if you run through the ticker, it seems like the Canucks are involved in half of them. And they've been able to get deals and 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 good deals. You know, picking up Sam Lafferty right before the season, getting Casey to Smith. Yeah. I mentioned the Zadorov trade. They've made good moves along the way. There's no reason to think, based on that, that they wouldn't continue to be aggressive. But I would say, and this might be my single biggest takeaway from today's press conference, is that Jim Rutherford may as well have jumped up on the podium, grabbed a microphone and said, let's go, because that was, that was, his, that was his message. You know, his, yeah. his quote about there's a risk in, in making moves and adding players, but he, he said, importantly, there's also a risk in not doing anything. And he said he's seen... Uh, teams that he thought were really good, and then he, he's surprised that they do nothing to make themselves better. Having witnessed so many losing seasons here uh, the last decade, uh, I can tell you nobody is complacent now about the opportunity that the Canucks suddenly find themselves with. And it may be an opportunity that they didn't expect uh, it may be right now, maybe it's not sustainable. Maybe it's a different conversation two months from now. But right now, you know, they're looking at my notes, 30, 11, and 4. They've, they've been, from start of the season until now, very consistently one of the best teams in this league. I think they're going to do everything they can to maximize this opportunity and see where it takes them this spring. And Ian, right now, you can't argue that Jim Rutherford couldn't have picked a better time to sign an extension <laughs> here. Three-time Stanley Cup champion, the turnaround. Like if... Jerry if, Maguire and show me if, the... If, <laughs> if Jimmy went into Francesco and said, I want to be the highest paid president, did he... Did Francesco argue much on that? Like, any idea how well he did... Yeah, actually, I don't, and that's a that's a good question. Who so who would be the highest paid president right now? Would it be Davidson or would it be Shanahan? I I, I got to think that uh, Brendan Shanahan. The the feeling is is around six million U.S. in yeah. that in that ballpark. Same. Yeah, Shanahan's had. Uh, I'm guessing what three contracts, at least. Sounds right, Toronto. Yeah, so. I mean, Jim Jim at age 74 and on a second deal, I suspect didn't do quite that well. But, it, you know, the bottom line is uh, this guy's won three Stanley Cups. He's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. He doesn't need this job. And to me, I actually wondered when, it, when he took the job, and I believe he was 71 when he took it. He's 74 years old now. Uh, whether it was just sort of one last thing that he wanted to do and he would put a team in place. He would groom his successor in Patrick Alvin, certainly uh, in terms of managing the hockey operations department, and then might happily step back and say, well, my work is done here. But clearly he's still driven to win. He wants a fourth Stanley Cup. I don't think the money was probably the overriding factor, but I think he's probably done uh, pretty well. It's one thing about 
you know, the Aquilinis uh, as owners. Uh, and there's been lots of criticism, some of it justified. They have never shied away from, from paying, whether it's, you know, players, they've almost always are paying to the, to the salary cap limit or over, you know, with the various mechanisms that allow that, whether it's going out and getting Jim Rutherford, I'm sure he didn't come cheap to begin with, you know, to come out of retirement, move his family from Raleigh, North Carolina to Vancouver. Uh, I don't think that was uh, uh, an expensive proposition for, for the Canucks. So if the fact that Rutherford has achieved what he's achieved to this point, and, and really as good as the Canucks have been the last 12 months, it still feels like this is kind of the launch pad. Like this isn't the destination yet of where they're going because their, their core players are so young. They've got other moves to make. They've got, they may be able to get some, some cap flexibility yet. Uh, I, I don't think they, there was probably a, a really tough negotiation about what it was yeah. going to take to keep yeah. Jim Rutherford. He, he was their guy. Francesco Aquilini went out to get him. It's turned out to be the right choice. Almost everything that Rutherford has done, and certainly in the last year, everything this hockey ops department has done seems to have been the right choice. Uh, it's money well spent to keep him here. Really appreciate your feedback on the Canucks and uh, a big day in Vancouver, knowing who their, their, their general is for the next three years. Ian, uh, enjoy the rest of the season, man. It's uh, Tell us what it's like to just cover a team that just, just keeps winning. All the time. Uh, let Sounds us know. Uh, well, it's a refreshing narrative just for a change of pace, success, <laughs> yeah. optimism, enthusiasm, yeah. all those things surrounding the team that have been foreign for the last three years. All right. Thanks Wouldn't for having anything me. Hey, terrific stuff. Thank yeah. you, Ian McIntyre. Uh, you know, the other thing, I mean, we, we could talk to him the whole hour on, uh, on the Canucks, uh, but just the, the quick turnaround on the blue line. Of course, it's led by the elevated play by, by Quinn Hughes. Yeah, but the heronic trade. Yes. Helps get there. Yeah. And, and this and the pickup of Carson Soucy is no small deal. Yeah. I know he's been hurt. Uh, Zadorov helps. Yeah. Zadorov, who's got his warts. Yeah, he's a roller coaster. Right. But the presence that he brings every night, like five guys on the ice know when he's on the ice. Yeah. Right. Including his and, own teammates, because they're like, well, you know, yeah, just the, the double other, check. He is where thing, we want him to be. The other name I want to drop is Adam Foote. Yeah. Like, we don't really talk about, we talk about Rick Tockett. Everybody's heard Rick Tockett, but nobody's talking about Adam Foote. And I think he should be, have that, you should have that same conversation that you have with Coffee and Edmonton mm. calming these guys down. When you think about Adam Foote and where he's been and what he's seen and the experience that he's had with, Team Canada's and Stanley Cup champions and playing with a guy like Ray Bork. I mean, come on, let's let's talk more about Adam Foote on that bench as well. Yeah, certainly worth his due. Um, it is a huge part of their turnaround. Part of the reason it's easier to believe in what they're doing. Doesn't seem like a fluke when there's major changes and, and a good coach involved. All right, Sammy, game time. <laughs> Disco Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's an, it's an automatic on game time. Yeah, it's game time. It's game time. Presented by Bet365. Visit the app for the latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 19 plus, Ontario only. Play responsibly. All right, guys, we got four games on the slate today in the National Hockey League. Quieter night. Tomorrow's Hockey Day in Canada. So we got a busy Saturday slate. For tonight, here's what I was looking at and, and what caught my eye earlier today. So the Panthers 
hosting the Minnesota Wild tonight. I don't see value on the money line. They're minus 200 favorites. You're probably not putting any juice. There's not enough juice there for, for, for value purposes. But I will go puck line. Minus okay. one and a half, plus 125 for the Florida Panthers at home against the Minnesota Wild. We've talked about, hey, this team just yesterday lost their captain. Jared Spurgeon out for the year. He's having two surgeries, not one. He's going to have two. So I kind of like Florida to get it going, to take advantage of a depleted Minnesota team, pick up a win tonight on home ice. I was also yeah. keying in on the New Jersey Devils, and I know their season has been a, it's been a, a lot of ebbs and flows, right? Peaks and valleys, ups and downs for this team, and they've been the model of inconsistency this year. But they're playing Columbus. So their seventh in the Metro is New Jersey. The lone team below them is Columbus. You can get New Jersey at minus 160 on the money line. If you want to get a little adventurous, plus 155 on the puck line. I also don't mind uh, the over in that game as well. Six and a half. I mean, geez, I think we could see some goals. If, if Columbus can score a little bit, then we got some offense there. And the last one that was interesting to me, you got the Islanders and the Blackhawks in the later game. That's a 8, 8.30 p.m. puck drop tonight. Um, I kind of like the over. Set at six. I kind of like that over. I think the, the Islanders are kind of poised for a bit of an offensive breakout here. It's been a little quiet from them offensively as Sold. of late. Just yeah. let's get some offense. Sold on that. I like, uh, yeah, I like New Jersey in particular uh, against Columbus at some point here. New Jersey is going to start to win some hockey games. So feels maybe, that way. Maybe a goal you'll give them a save one night too. I don't know. They, it, to you don't me, like them, eh? Well, Hamilton's out. Yeah, the talk is that he may come back in the last week, ten oh, days. But timeline. if they're if they're in it, if yeah. there's a push, mm-hmm. if there's something there, there's a slight chance he can come back. If not, they'll write him off for this year. But you lose your horse. It's hard back there. Yeah, you don't get saves. You don't have your number one D. Jack Hughes has not been playing a ton. I still think that Columbus team is in such disarray be. that I'll take hey, him in, and, in and one boarding, game. But. Second night of a back-to-back for Columbus, and they just got shut out. So yeah. let's see. I mean. Yeah, like that one. Ripe for the picking. All right. Take us out. I think you got to say it all again. Yep. That was game time presented by Bet365. Again, visit the app for the latest odds and find out why it's never ordinary. Bet365 must be 19-plus, Ontario-only. Play responsibly. Well done, sir. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll tidy it all up with news and notes. Pinto in for the Ottawa Senators. We'll talk about that. What else have we got? Do you want some texts? Text us at 59590. Oh, absolutely. Active text line. Is it? Oh, it's, there's a lot of, it's and, flooding. All and, right. And, and it. we need you. your rating and review over Disco Dan. <laughs> Just compared you know, to our Sammy McKee. He just needs to know the quality and depth of his work, is all I need to say. This document right here is, is something special. All right. <laughs> More Real Kipper after the break. And born. <laughs> I don't care. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Disco Dan. Uh, I know we're going to get to text, and I certainly are hope, I'm hoping, um, Daniele, that you can find a few that uh, rip Sammy. We've got a few, actually. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah, 
So before we get to that, a couple of news and notes I want to get into. Uh, Pinto's coming back. Uh, He's just 22 years of age, coming off a very emotional suspension. Can he be any good at all? Like when I think about guys that miss training camp and try to play in November, they have a tough time. For sure. How about this guy coming back after 41 games off? I think the the one thing he has going for him is that there's no expectations. <laughs> right? I mean, like, well, he's an Ottawa the, senator. He, the team's in last by, I think, 12 points in the Atlantic. Oh. You know, they're way in last. He has missed half the season. Any help they can get will be welcome. He's yeah. making league minimum. I just think they're looking for him to show that he can be a contributor and a piece of the solution for them. You got a thought? Elliot had also mentioned that they're they're entertaining the idea of working on a long term extension and that there had been talks surrounding that. So that's a consideration. They just couldn't do it this year. They just had it. no space. Yeah. Yeah. So and that was the issue even coming into the season when obviously yeah. being an RFA, they couldn't find the room or we so we thought as to why he wasn't even going to be with the club initially. We learned obviously that he was suspended for the gambling. But um twenty goal score a year ago in his first NHL season. Yeah. I mean, it probably doesn't it doesn't hurt to have that kind of guy no. into your lineup. Yeah. So and- seeing what he is at 22 years old, and you kind of go from there, and if he's a piece you can add into this mixture of young players that you're hopefully trying to build around and take that next step with. Love it. Many clubs this week have had their uh, pro scouting uh, meetings. Yeah. And, of course, what comes out of those is a strategy on what it looks like going into trade deadline. Earlier this week, I wrote an article for the Toronto Star, and I mentioned there's still as many as 20 teams that have aspirations on not only still thinking that they can make the playoffs, but maybe winning a round or two. Well, I got to tell you, I read your article, and you wrote, you know, there's as many 20 as 20 teams think they can make the playoffs, and I thought, I think you're you're light. I think you're... Yeah, I, I was conservative. Yeah. 22, 23. I mean, you get eight and eight in each division that are in. You're at 16. There's at least, I don't know, four or five on the outside looking in in the West that think they can get in. One of them played last night. We watched the Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Calgary Flames. And, you know, thanks to a, a horrific run by the LA Kings, the Calgary Flames sit today three points behind them, albeit they've got three more games played than LA. But half a season to make that up not shouldn't be an issue if you feel like you can push forward first of all i mean we we spent our first hour on our leaf edition talking about the toronto maple Leafs, but we never really we we never spoke of the calgary flames and what we saw last night and i gotta be honest with you guys i was not impressed and i know they've played some good hockey and they've had some good goaltending even vladar last night held them in it he gave them a chance to tie the game I was surprised by your texting last night. But I, I you did, did not like the no, Flames. No, did not like them. Um, you know, in terms of now watching them give everything they have and still falling a little short, and I get it. Like the, the Coleman's, Mangiapani to me was their best player last night. Yeah, but he really shouldn't be their best player last night. That should belong to. Jonathan Huberto should belong to Lindholm. Do you like Huberto? Not even in the least. Oh. Not even in the least. Like, I saw a guy that didn't necessarily hunt down pucks. I didn't see Chris yeah. passing. I, I, I don't see a guy 
driving hard to the net. I didn't see him pull any anybody in to make a a a, a pass. Mm-hmm. Like he is for last night. I thought Hubert really struggled, and I think there was there's been a lot of games like that. I just yeah. I'm not watching as much as say Eric Francis or some of our other uh, great uh, analysts out there, but. I mean, I, I saw a team that I don't know how hard you want to push thinking you're getting in yeah. while you hold on to assets. Watching the game, I kind of felt like the bottom six was more entertaining and just they were more engaged than the top six guys. Yeah, That's listen, I like it's weird. Zari like, there. Zari. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Sharon Govich. There's like they, a future were, there. Yeah. There's a future there. 100%. 100%. But, like, that's – they were more tantalizing than some of the guys that you're supposed to be getting the production but from. I, for I, sure. I didn't see any push from Lindholm. I didn't see game yeah. breaker. Lindholm's I didn't see really uh, a guy leading necessarily. I just saw a guy that's just in the mix. I would say a bigger concern is let's say they decide, okay, we're not quite it. We are going to sell. Is – oh, Chris Tanev didn't – Particularly no. sparkle. No. You know, like, you, did, didn't, yeah. Uh, yeah. you didn't go, God, if we had that guy, you know? So, yeah. yeah it's. Uh, and there, I just don't know what teams can pay Calgary if you don't think for sure he's signing with you. Mm-hmm. And I, we've had this conversation the other day, but like, Leafs can't give up a first rounder for him. If Even they if don't, they know he's signing? If, if they know he's signing, If they, they could. know he's signing and you really feel like. You could win with him in the next two years or th- three years. And I would imagine he can get no problem on the open market this summer. He can get a three-year deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I imagine if you're the Leafs, you're thinking, we're picking after 20. You know, quite likely, if you trade for 10, Evan, things go well. So do you want to trade the 24th overall pick and then sign him for three times, like give him Brody's contract somewhere around there, three times Three, four. I don't think four, you can get f- three, four, five. Uh, I, I think you're in the high fours, fives. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How? Yeah. Attra- I mean, how attractive is that? I don't know. I, I, I would also say, you know, from Calgary's perspective, I wonder what the, what, what, when, what is the cutoff to say, you know, what we should probably just let's focus on what's next. Yeah. Like let's just let's look ahead. And and the guys that we have here, the veteran pieces, Huberto, you can't move because the contract is just an onerous. It's 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 hard. It's difficult. That's the problem with that. And you, he has to play well enough to even make it remotely appetizing to have somebody take money off of that when you do trade it away. So then, what's the point though? When like a Lindholm, right? Do they just move him because they're they're essentially committed to walking him out the door if yeah. that, right? So what is that cutoff for them? To determine, hey, we should probably just be sellers and yeah, and figure out what's and next. lose another four or five, or the See? Kings get hot or whatever. Because they're 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 three points technically out of a wild card spot. They're yeah. they're right there, I guess. Right? They're kind of on the periphery. Listen, in my next life, I'm coming back a defenseman. Mm. They are so few and short. Yeah, and that's why even a guy like Hannafin can turn around and say, "I want eight years, and I want seven, seven and a half." Yeah, <laughs> and he'll probably get it. And he'll probably <laughs> get it. And we will never mention Hannafin in any Norris conversation. No, he'll just be... But that's just the going rate for 20 minutes. And Chikrin's not that far off from that conversation, guys. And now we're starting to hear more and more. And I, I mentioned his name a month and a half ago. Yeah. That, like, wh- where does Ottawa think they're going with being in the position that they're in and thinking about signing... 
Jacob Chikrin to seven and a half million dollars. Like, yeah, Sanderson given the money they're giving out to and D and you're gonna you're gonna sign Chikrin too. Tough to it see. makes no sense. Tough to see, Kip, for sure. It felt like with Ottawa, too, if you look at the build and the stages of their build, the moves that they had made like two years ago with Pierre Dorian in charge, felt like that was them indicating, okay, we got to take this step, but it hasn't happened. Oh, for sure. It and was. those guys, right? Like, and those Claude guys Giroux are not. And Tarasenko and. They're not there yet. Yeah, the big goalie moves. And the, and the money's been invested in a lot of different pieces there. It's hard for them to now pivot to what the actual next step is, the proper yeah. step to get into that, even that playoff conversation. Yeah. Never mind anything further than that, but just playoffs. Yep. Should we uh, do text? You yeah, you know else? what? One, one more thought. Uh, I know I mentioned the LA Kings uh, yesterday. I think uh, Rob Rob Blake met with the media and gave his head coach, Todd McClellan, uh, a vote of confidence. Mm-hmm. But I will say this, that they are so lucky being out west yeah. in that market where like imagine if if that team was in Canada right now the heat that they would be taking it's a day to day i know dropping 10 of 11 huge trade to get Pierre-Luc Dubois Philip Deneau had signed a big contract Fiala was you know a nice ad Kopitar Byfield Kempe I mean, they've made moves there, and I like their back end. Gavrikov was another big contract they gave us. My point is, there are expectations to succeed when you've, yeah. you've, you, the, the rebuild's over. You're a team now. You're trying to win, and you're right. So I actually, I wrote a little bit about coaches today, and McClellan was one of them where I don't really know, you know, it's, it's tough to say like, hey, this guy's the issue or whatever, because their top end talent is not that high, but... I don't know. It's the the seat's got to yeah. be warming up a little bit. But it's just funny because here, here we were talking about uh, you know either Brad Tree Living or Brendan Shanahan coming out, maybe calming the waters on Sheldon Keefe. We don't hear a word. The media out there, and I don't know, it could have been one or two people <laughs> who followed the Kings. Goes, hey, uh, what about uh, Todd McClellan, your head coach? Uh, would you ever uh, move on from him? Oh no, not at all. And then it's over. Yeah. It's just over. Came out and handled it. That's nice. <laughs> All right, I'm Disco, jealous. what do you have for us? Let's get the overall yeah. feel, the vibe of no Sammy and all <laughs> Disco. Well, first things first, we had somebody say, oh, what about the Edmonton Oilers? They won 12 in a row. Yes, the Edmonton We're Oilers. We're tired of talking about that. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. 12 tired. in a row. Okay, Keep rolling. Can, can I just say one more one thing on, on that yes. streak? Mm-hmm. Okay. So now it's regarded as the longest winning streak ever. I'd in, ever for a Canadian team. For, right? uh, yeah. And it, I think they, they passed the Montreal Canadiens at 68. Yeah. But this, like, there was no three on three. There's no overtime. How many, how many, in that streak, how many uh, overtime One, games? One, two, three. Okay. Is, maybe four. Is that really fair to call them now? The, like, can we not just say it? As is, this is the longest winning streak ever in the salary cap era. Can we just not say that? In the modern that? day, 32 why, teams. Why do That's they, a good point. Why, do they, why does a 67 or 68 Montreal Canadian team get bumped off Are on that? Are you new to this business? No. You got to do the whole hyperbole no. thing. They're the greatest team. Excuse me. Yes. Excuse me. <laughs> yes. Are you not the guy that said, I don't know who tweeted it out that the Leafs were on a four-game losing streak yeah. and then 
I don't know, somebody else said, no, it's a four-game winless winless streak. streak. And you're like, that's garbage. (laughs) It's a losing streak. Probably. Sounds familiar. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I don't even believe what I'm selling here, Kip. I know the 67 (laughs) Canadians are better, you know, the all-time great teams. It should be over. If you want to be known as a team that has won 12 games in a row. You got to win 12 games. You got to win 12 in 60 minutes. That's how you pass the 67 Montreal Canadiens. We can also qualify it because they do it in other sports where it's like before or after the merger or whatever. Yeah. Or to your point, Kipper, salary cap era. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Nothing wrong football, with it. Football, Super Bowl era. Okay, cool. Yeah. Because football can yeah. play for hundreds and hundreds of years. Right. right. Just like it's totally you fine. You flush 80 years down the toilet when you start tagging everything salary cap era. But don't worry about it. It's- Some. Some poor yeah. guy wanted us to talk Oilers, and we were just like, nah. <laughs> we're going to have nothing gonna, to do with your record. All right, let's go. Put a damper on. All right, so uh, we do have I'm, – I'm, I'm actually – got to say I'm pleased. Thank you for all the uh, positive positivity in the text line. Um, Disco Dan, way better than Sammy McKee. He's a real pro. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, – no name on that one, but thank you. I, for I the will text say, there. you know, we love Sammy's unproness as well. But there's no doubt that this is yeah. a thoroughly prepared oh, no. individual here. No, no, this show is just really about being unpolished. <laughs> That's all we have. Hope you like a lack of polish. There, we got that in spades. there was another one in here saying uh, Disco Dan equals 10 out of 10. So yes. thank you. I appreciate that. That's awesome. That's a, that's a, we, and no other Sammy bashing happening. Uh, there was somebody saying, I thought Sammy said he doesn't gamble. Uh, once he left his seat open, Danny jumped in and gambled his job away. Yeah, he gambled his whole career on uh, one one day you, off. You in and Vegas. You and uh, Sammy gambled the moment you agreed to do a show with me. <laughs> no doubt about that, man. There's, There's no on. doubt. But uh, you know, I I hope that Sammy is. He's in Vegas. He's mm-hmm. watching the Golden Knights game tomorrow, I believe. I, I hope he's you know having some day drinks somewhere, playing some hands of blackjack. I don't know. Yeah. Hope he's enjoying his day because yeah. he's getting killed here. Uh, <laughs> big Saturday matchup, the Vancouver Canucks and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. You give the Leafs any shot at winning? Yeah, you know how I feel about this Leafs team. Whenever it's a weird game, you think they're going to get smoked, did they you, show up. Did you do a stat on Leafs bouncing back off a three- or four-game losing streaks? And the record is yeah. phenomenal. So for the record... I didn't. But last night on Hockey Central, we okay. had... No, but yes, I did tweet it. Yes. And I owe credit, and I can find wherever the credit yeah. is to someone else here, Joseph Zita, who, who did this. But yes, the last four years under Sheldon Keith, they have bounced back like, from four-game like winless streaks. 15-2-1. and 7-0-2, 15-2-1, like killer after losing four in a row. It is pretty impressive. So... It is pretty impressive. I'm not going to say they can't uh, be decent here. But earlier sure. in the week, we had Nazem Kadri on, yep. and he all but admitted that like it, like there, there's winning, and then there's winning against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I got to think, for all the success that the Vancouver the Canucks, Canucks want this have one. had, they're going to want this one really bad. Yep. For no other reason that we're the top team in the league, and we still have to start 4 p.m. <laughs> local. I just, I honestly, I don't always be a discussion point. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't believe that still happens. They I mean, I, I'm grateful it does. Ain't us. I don't want to watch a 10 p.m. game, so that's great, but it's pretty crazy. You know why it's crazy, too? Because they play at 10.30 here when they're in San Jose. That's true. 
Yeah, Anaheim, <laughs> Anaheim, LA Kings. Starting Come at on. ten there. ESPN primetime down in the states. We're ten o'clock with the Kings. It happens. Oh, what a comment I just got. Disco you know, Dan is our Martin Jones. He oh. saved the season of real camp. That's even way. That's even better Dr. than Holmberg. Oh, that's I, better than Pontus. Kind of like Pontus though. It's got a special place in my heart. <laughs> Pontus always has a special place. There you go. He's nice. one of the original. Your guys on this show. Kipper. He is. Now the other thing I noticed is you've been wearing a Bills hat yep. all week, and you, you didn't, you didn't oh, bring no, it on no, the wow. show. I mean, that's we okay. Gotta, we we want to see your face. I told him to wear a tux today, so this is, you know, <laughs> you know just no no do, Bills hat was showing up. Do you own a tux? Uh, not a full blown tux. I have no. suits, obviously. But okay, well, do you I mean, own a tux? Think about it. Yeah, I've got a tux. Yeah, uh, they're, yeah. they're not cheap. I don't, I... No, no. I got, I got a guy. You got a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I got a guy. We got a guy. I'm coming. That we can talk about. But yeah, yeah. no, big one for my bills this weekend, Kipper. What do you big think? One. They got a shot at, oh, yeah. uh, against oh, Taylor yeah. Swift. Oh uh, yeah. Well, we'll see. I, if if here's what I will say: measure of true love is if Taylor Swift makes the journey to Western New York. That'll tell you that. Right. that you show up in Buffalo in January. Hey. That's commitment with a shovel. Nothing behind the glass. Yeah. You got to get yeah. out there. Shovel to the seat. That's right. I that like was it. incredible, by the way. Buffalo, love you. Truly. Bill's Mafia's the best. Yeah. All right. Hey, great job. Thanks. Today. Yeah, good work. Thanks. A lot of fun pleasure. working with you. Well, welcome back, Sammy. Under any circumstances, uh, hey, even a crappy lineup sheet. Yeah, yeah, like we love give him. him some tutoring on it. <laughs> okay, our thanks to Carter Hutton in the first hour, and then Ian McIntyre giving us wall-to-wall coverage on the Vancouver Canucks. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Stay safe. Give us a rating and review if you get a chance. We'd love to hear from you. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Disco Dan, Franceschi, signing out.